Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. The Psalms are a wonderful portion of God's Word. They are treasured by countless lovers of God and His Holy Word. In this collection of poetry, praises, and hymns is found a wide range of expressions. We might turn to our favorite Psalms during times of trial or suffering and seek comforting words, and surely many of the Psalms do convey such comfort and solace. But at their height or peak are those Psalms that clearly and definitely reveal Christ in much detail and richness. For though the Psalms preceded the incarnation of the God-man Jesus by many centuries, the Eternal Son is clearly found in the Psalms if we know where to look and how to recognize Him. And I believe in some measure that is this life study of the book of Psalms. And Ron Kangas has joined us again. Ron, we always like to focus uh, on Christ, and we have the benefit, don't we, of the, the ministry of the New Testament to help us. We earnestly desire to focus on Christ and the customary way that Christians read the book of Psalms highlights the fact that we need the help from the Lord's new covenant ministry to know where in the Psalms to look for Christ and how to recognize him. Because the Psalms in their nature are devotional, Mm -hmm. They express the sentiments, even some of the deep feelings of God's people in their prayer to him. Readers often just take every psalm and every verse as being on the same level and of the same degree of spiritual value. And some, as a result, need, I would say, a time of adjustment Mm. to respond to and understand our approach to the Psalms. The Psalms, obviously, are not New Testament epistles. The divine revelation had not advanced that far, and it surely had not been completed. Therefore, what we have in the Psalms is somewhat of a mixture, the majority of the portions, that express the sentiments, the feelings of the psalmist. And those expressions are really governed either by the concept of the law, as in Psalm 1, or by the principle of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. But because the psalmists loved the Lord and sought the Lord and contacted him, from time to time the Spirit of the Lord would enter in and reveal something by speaking concerning Christ. As a result, some psalms are particularly rich with the unveiling of Christ. The first of these is Psalm 2, then Psalm 8, 16, 22 through 24, 45, Mm. 68, and on it goes. 
If we can grasp and accept the thought that concerning the revelation of Christ, not all the Psalms are of the same spiritual value to us, then we should be open to receive help to know where to look for Christ and how to recognize him in the Psalms. Furthermore, we will be able to identify utterances such as the imprecations pronounced against one's enemies or requests for God to smash and destroy the opponents. We can recognize these as the human sentiments of the psalmist. But when we read a psalm such as Psalm 8, we realize we're in another spiritual universe. I comment this way at the outset because with the cluster of psalms from 69 through 72 that we will consider to some extent in this message, we need to follow this principle. Mm -hmm. Psalm 69 has something wonderful to say concerning Christ and his suffering. Psalm 72 concerning Christ typified by Solomon as the king reigning in the kingdom of God. But actually, some portions of Psalm 69 and then Psalm 70 and 71 are the sentiments of the psalmist. So, as part of cutting the word straight, we need to call sentiment and pious expression by its own name Mm -hmm. and to identify Christ as he is revealed in the psalmist clearly and to distinguish the one from the other so that Christ and Christ alone is the sole object of our attention and of our affection. Ron, you've given us a good lead-in into uh, our first uh, segment, really, of Witness Lee. As you mentioned, I'll just repeat, basically, uh, for the sake of our listeners, so that they are well-framed as we approach this portion. We're talking about a section of four Psalms, 69 through 72. Really, we're focused on 69 and 72 and somewhat overlook 70 and 71. Again, primarily because in this group, these two Psalms most specifically focus or depict Christ in type. And in Psalm 69, I've just gathered a couple verses here, the first three actually. Uh, It sounds like, uh, I believe David the psalmist here, sounds like David's suffering. But in type, this is, David was really a type of the suffering Christ. Save me, O God, he writes, for the waters threaten my life. I sink in deep mire, and there is no place to stand. I have come to the depths of water, and the flood flows over me. I'm weary of my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Then, let's jump now to 72, as you mentioned. Here we see David's son, Solomon, the king, depicting, typifying Christ in his kingship. O God, give your judgments to the king and your righteousness to the son of the king. He will judge your people in righteousness and your poor with justice. The mountains will bear peace to the people and the hills in righteousness. Here's Witness Lee as we uh, prepare for this first section, then we'll come back and get a chance to fellowship a bit more. Psalm 69 is on Christ. On what can Christ on the suffering Christ. Then Psalm 72 is on Christ also. On heart can Christ. On the reigning Christ. Psalm 69 is on the Christ typified by the suffering David. Do you know? David, yes, he was a good fighter. He gained victories. 
He gained the territories, no doubt, but he was suffering. So he typifies Christ in suffering for fighting, for winning, for gain, for God's kingdom. That was David. Now, 72 actually is a psalm on King Solomon. This psalm uses the word king. And this king was a type of Christ being the king. The father typifies one aspect of Christ, and the son typifies another aspect. Christ does have two aspects. While he was on this earth, he was suffering. All the day, he was suffering. Then, when he ascended to heaven, from that time, no more sorrows, but reigning. The king, he was suffering for 13 and a half years. But he's reigning already, 2,000 years. And he will reign forever. So, these four Psalms are on what? And the suffering Christ eventually becomes the reigning Christ. Amen. From Christ's suffering to Christ's reigning. Amen. Psalm is a book very much on Christ. But have you noticed? This rich book on Christ, mainly on Christ, his person, his work, his exaltation, his position, but not much on Christ being life to us, on Christ dwelling in us, on Christ making his home in us, for us to live Christ, to magnify Christ. There's not such a thought at all. Ron, as Witness Lee points out uh, here at the, at the end of his section, it's clear now, I think we look at these two Psalms, 69 and 72, and see aspects of Christ primarily in his person, in his work, in his exaltation, his position, but yet it still doesn't quite match the level of where the divine revelation progresses to in the New Testament, where we see Christ living, making his home in us. There's still a qualitative difference here, isn't there? There is, and that is to be expected if we understand the principle that that the divine revelation is progressive throughout the scriptures. Before I emphasize this a little more, I just would like to point out that we treasure what is unveiled in Psalm 69 concerning the suffering Christ. Mm. Some of David's utterances were, in principle at least, prophetic and were fulfilled as the Lord was suffering there on the cross for our redemption. So we treasure this view of Christ and his suffering. Likewise, in Psalm 72, we see Christ as the king reigning in the kingdom of God. And as we consider the connection, we see that the suffering Christ becomes the reigning Christ. We see the same principle in Genesis with the birth of Benjamin, Jacob's second son. As his mother was dying, she named the boy Benoni, son of sorrow. But Jacob immediately came in and changed the name to Benjamin, son of my right hand. Both signify Christ. Christ in his suffering, Benoni, Christ in his exaltation, Benjamin. In Psalm 69, 
we see Christ in his suffering. In Psalm 72, Christ in his exultant reigning. But as wonderful as this revelation is, it cannot match or compare with what is unveiled in the New Testament, especially in Paul's epistles. With Paul, we see Christ in his sufferings. We see Christ in his ascension, Christ in glory. But we also see Christ living in Paul, Christ being formed in Paul, Christ making his home in Paul's being. We see Paul living Christ and magnifying Christ. We have Paul saying in Galatians 2.20, No longer I, but Christ lives in me. This is a marvelous progress beyond what is revealed in the Psalms. So on the one hand with the Psalms, we need to tarry and pause and consider Christ. On the other hand, that consideration should motivate us to go into the New Testament Mm. to see a fuller revelation and a richer account of the experience and enjoyment of Christ the Christ who is at the right hand of God, and the Christ who dwells in us as the Spirit and who lives in us. Mm. Well, as you brought up Paul and his epistles, of course, you just uh, mentioned Galatians 2.20. Maybe I'll add to that a couple of verses from Philippians chapter 1. For I know that for me this will turn out to salvation through your petition and the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I will be put to shame, but with all boldness as always, even now, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether through life or through death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This is incomparable in its uh, magnitude, and I think uh, Witness Lee will help us with that in this coming portion. Such a book of 150 Psalms does give people an impression we have to trust in God. We have to keep the law. We have to be righteous. We have to be just. We have to have our integrity. We have to be perfect. We have to, we have to, we have to, right? And lots we have to. I'd like to ask you, is this thought right or wrong? We have to be godly. We have to fear God. We have to keep the law. We have to be perfect, righteous, upright, with full integrity. Is this wrong or right? It's wrong. Absolutely wrong. The New Testament tells us what? I have been crucified today in Christ. It is an I to fear God. But it is I that have been crucified. I have been crucified. But Christ lives in me. The bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ is not for me to fear God, to keep the law, to be righteous. No. The bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ is for me to live Christ. The bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ is in Philippians 1.19. And the following two verses, 20 and 21, tells us this bountiful supply is for us to lift Christ, that Christ may be magnified. 
Christ must be your righteousness. Christ must be your integrity. Christ must be your perfection. To be perfect outside Christ is wrong. God condemns this imperfect, just as God condemns imperfection. Only one thing that Christ could be acceptable to God and could be approved by God. Ron, we've already mentioned that um, this book, the book of Psalms, has these uh, complex or mixed sentiments. Some of them do reach the divine thought. Some of them uh, kind of reside in the human thought and concept. But by and large, we do get the impression in in many of the Psalms, don't we, that God is after us to uh, live in a proper way, to keep the law, to do good, and that somehow this will result in our ultimate benefit. Psalms is an Old Testament book. And it's limited by the Old Testament revelation. And the psalmists had a combination of the Old Testament concept and the natural concept. The Old Testament concept was that they should keep the law. And they they loved the law. They treasured the law. Read Psalm 119. Mm -hmm. The natural concept, also seen in the book of Job, is to avoid evil and to do good and to... Try to improve yourself and be upright and perfect. This is the general atmosphere of the Psalms and the basic impression that we get from reading the Psalms. And in honesty, Chris, we have to say this is at least part of the reason why so many believers are drawn to the Psalms. Yeah, The Psalms, to them, largely match their their concept of the law, they love Psalm 1, you know, mm-hmm. and match the natural concept and even the religious sense of being pious and devotional. But when we bring in the revelation given to Paul and Paul's living out that revelation by being one spirit with the Lord, we find ourselves, as we said before, in another dimension, in another realm. In Galatians 2.20, Paul makes it emphatically clear that the I, the name of the old man in Romans 6.6, who was trying to keep the law to please God, that I has been terminated. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. Mm. This is God's economy in the New Testament. Not the I trying to improve, the I trying to keep the law, the I trying to be upright. But that I, the old I, being crucified so that Christ in resurrection as the Spirit can now live in me, which is the human being in God's new creation. And then we live out this Christ This is infinitely removed from the overall impression in the Psalms that we should try to fulfill the law of God and be upright. It's very far removed from the principle of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's a radically different view, a God-centered and Christ-conscious view of what God wants from us. He really only wants Christ. He wants Christ to live in us, Christ to make home in us, Christ to be everything to us, Christ to be magnified through us. He wants us to be 
those who experience Christ, who enjoy Christ, who live Christ, and who express Christ. This is the New Testament revelation, the Christ revealed in the Gospels, this wonderful God-man who lived a perfect and sinless human life and died for our redemption and resurrected on the third day. He is at the right hand of God in splendor and majesty, and he is the Lord of all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. But the New Testament just as emphatically reveals that this wonderful Christ dwells in us because he is also the life-giving Spirit. And the Lord wants us, according to Paul's word in 1 Corinthians 6.17, to be one Spirit with him, to live by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, and in this way to cease from our efforts to keep the law or to improve ourselves and to simply let Christ live and live Christ for the glory of God. And Brother Lee was very burdened in his study of the Psalms to lay this contrast before the Lord's people. And the more I read the Psalms and the more I absorb his ministry on the Psalms, the more I appreciate his perspective and his burden. He is not merely conducting a Bible study, and he's not simply helping us see Christ in the Psalms as precious as that is. He is helping us to get beyond the natural, traditional, religious, devotional concept regarding the Psalms and to understand the Psalms in the light of the New Testament revelation concerning God's eternal economy. For this, I'm very grateful to the Lord and thankful to our brother for his faithfulness to cut the word straight and to present such a crystal clear view of Psalms in relation to the completed divine revelation in the New Testament. Ron, we've just got a little over a minute left, and rather than try to squeeze in another segment of Witness League, maybe we just stay on this thought. You know, we've talked a lot in this life study of the book of Psalms about Paul and his 14 epistles, but even um, Peter in his writing in the New Testament it really is confirming this same thought. I'm thinking of 1 Peter 1, 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has regenerated us unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In his resurrection, we're begotten again, and not just to be good, we're begotten again to be something new, aren't we, in God's new creation. To be a new creation, to be children of God, to be those who enjoy God's complete salvation to the uttermost. Although chronologically, Peter came before Paul, and Peter was with Christ in the flesh. Peter's writings are subordinate to Paul's writings, but they are a wonderful confirmation of the essence of Paul's writings. Peter was fully in the New Testament economy. Peter eventually was transferred to the principle of the tree of life, which is God in Christ as our life and life supply. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, we see a marvelous development of the divine life in several verses. And that development provides a rich entrance into the kingdom in the coming age, you know, as a reward. And John, whom we're not touching except by this brief comment, was fully in this matter. Yeah. 
he was just became life itself, and his ministry was the tree of life. So the main apostles, Peter, Paul, John, are all standing fully in the development of the divine revelation and the completion of the divine revelation to testify to the Jews and to the Gentiles. The Old Testament way is over. God has had a new beginning. We believe into Christ, then we are baptized into him. Now we would be one spirit with him and live in the organic union with him and thereby express him and magnify him. In this way, God gets what he wants, Christ in us, expressed corporately to fulfill the desire of his heart. Praise and thank him. Amen to that. And these three contributors to the New Testament surely loved and treasured the Psalms as we do. But now that we've been in this matter, I think when we read the New Testament and their writings and we see them quoting or referring to the Psalms, now we will see what they were seeing. They were seeing Christ in the Psalms, and this is what we are endeavoring to be brought into day by day in our own uh, exercise in this study. Good to have you as always, Brother Ron. Hope you come back uh, when you're able. I look forward to that, Chris. While our time is up, let me give you quickly our toll-free number. Really encourage you to get these printed life study messages. They're just priceless. The toll-free number, if you'd like to find out how you can receive them, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. We'll return with our next life study from the Book of Psalms. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. To contact us, please call toll-free 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.